still, we're going to stay with Acts 2.42. Acts 2.42. They were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching or doctrine and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. This is the word of the Lord. Now, let me read it to you again. They were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching or doctrine and to the fellowship and to the breaking of the bread and to the prayers. Every time Luke has placed an article, a definite article there in this passage of Scripture. And we've been studying in these past Sundays in the afternoon service on fellowship and we've been looking at the Apostles' Doctrine, we've been looking at the fellowship, the breaking of the bread is today, and, the, and to the prayers. And every time he uses an article like this, he's suggesting, I think, to us to think about not just fellowship in general, or breaking of bread like we just did in general, or prayers in general, but specifically to the breaking of the bread, which is the Lord's Supper, and to the prayers offered in the church or in the assembly as we have been doing this morning and then this afternoon. So we're looking today at, at fellowship and particularly at the breaking of the bread and to the prayers offered in the worship of God. And so here's what I want to do. I want to look first at the breaking of the bread, the Lord's Supper. Now, we talk about this. We had the Lord's Supper this morning. We know that Jesus instituted the Lord's Supper. It's a sign and a seal of His redemptive work. And this morning I didn't quote this, but usually we say these words uh, in different ways. But this is the Apostle Paul's summary of what is taught in Matthew and Luke. He says this in 1 Corinthians eleven twenty three through 26 For I received from the Lord... That which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus in the night in which he was betrayed took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. <clears throat> in the same way, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until He comes. Jesus took the bread. Jesus gave thanks for the bread. Jesus broke the bread and gave it to His disciples. He did that the night He instituted the supper. And when He did that, He was telling them something about what was to come. He's telling them, this is a picture of what I'm going to do the next day. And so he gave them the bread, he gave them the wine, and the next day he went to the cross where his body was broken. He went to the cross where his blood was poured out. And all of that signifies, all of it points to what Jesus did, his redemptive work on the cross. The bread and the wine also direct us, both not only then, but they direct us now in, in the way that Jesus would relate to us in the new era. Now, when I say the new era, I'm talking about the era of the Holy Spirit. I'm talking about the era of Acts chapter 2, where the Spirit of God is going to be poured out on the church, and now Jesus is not physically going to be with His people anymore. 
Now, we all know Jesus was on the earth three and a half years. Then after he rose from the dead, he walks around and he talks to his disciples for how many days? Forty days. And then after those 40 days, Acts chapter 1, he ascends back to the right hand of God. And then 10 days later, we have the, the day of Pentecost and the Spirit's poured out. How are we supposed to recognize Jesus during these days after he is at the right hand of God? How are we supposed to recognize him? That's the question that we want to think about today. And I want to do this by, I could have you turn there, but I'm just going to ask for you to, to listen to me read. Let me get a little bit of water. We talked about this a few months ago, but I want to elaborate on it some more. But here is a way of looking at it from Luke chapter 24, verses 13, and I'm going to read the following. This is where Jesus, after the resurrection, on the day he was raised from the dead, he began to walk with those Emmaus Road disciples. Okay? And so listen to what it says here. And behold, two of them, these are the Emmaus Road disciples, they were going that very day to a village named Emmaus, which was about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about all these things which had taken place. While they were were talking and discussing, Jesus himself approached and began traveling with them, but their eyes were prevented from recognizing him. This is the question. Why is Jesus concealing his identity from these disciples? There's, this is, this is, there's a real something really going on here. Why would he do this? This is so curious. For seven miles. How long does it take to walk seven miles? Now, if you're walking three miles an hour, you figure it out. Most of us don't walk three to four. We, we don't walk four miles an hour unless we're walking for exercise. So 2.7 to three miles an hour. This is going to be over two hours of walking. And they're talking, they're, they're talking, they're walking, they're probably fasting a little bit, slow some more times. And so Jesus is re- not revealing himself to them. And then it says in verse 17, And he said to them, What are these words that you are exchanging with one another as you are walking? And they stood still looking sad. One of them named Cleopas answered and said to him, Are you the only one visiting Jerusalem and unaware of the things which have happened here in these days? And Jesus said to them, What things? And they said to him, the things about Jesus and Nazarene. Obviously, they don't know who they're talking to. Who was a prophet, mighty indeed, and word inside of God, in the sight of God and all the people, and how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to the sentence of death and crucified him. But we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Indeed, besides all of this, it is the third day since these things happened. But also some women among us amazed us when they went were at the tomb early in the morning and did not find his body. They came saying that, that they had seen a vision of angels who had said he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it exactly as the women had also said, but him they did not see. So it's really clear they did not recognize Jesus. They thought and they had hoped that this was the one who was going to save Israel out of, if you will, Roman captivity, but... They were not definitely looking for anybody to be raised from the dead. They didn't believe the reports of the women. They didn't even believe the reports of their own friends, the disciples. And then Jesus, in verse 25, he rebukes them. He says this, O foolish men and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets had spoken. Was it not necessary for the Christ to suffer these things and to enter into his glory? 
Then, beginning with Moses and with all the prophets, he explained to them the things concerning himself in all the scriptures. So here we are. I, I got in my notes 120 minutes. Maybe it's 150 minutes. They're walking and they're talking. And Jesus begins to explain from Moses and the prophets and the Psalms. I'm sure he couldn't talk about every single passage, but I'm sure he talked about the, the high points. I mean, I can't imagine that he wouldn't have talked about Abraham and Isaac and the mountain and, you know, the, the ram and all of them. I can't imagine he didn't talk about some of those very highlight things that we would all think about. And he tells them that the Messiah must suffer and then enter into his glory. Why is he doing this? Why is he not identifying himself to them? So it says here in verse 28, And they approached the village where they were going, and he acted as though he were going to go farther. But they urged him. And I remember in the sermon I preached to you a while back, I, we stopped there. They urged him. They plead with him. Don't go further. Come to our house. And so he did. They said they urged him, saying, Stay with us, for it is getting toward evening, and the day is now nearly over. So Jesus went in to stay with them. When he had reclined at the table with them, here, here comes the words. Listen. He took the bread and blessed it, and breaking it, he began giving it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and poof, they vanished out of their sight. Now, you go figure that out. Only Jesus could do that, right? <laughs> okay, why did he do this? Why did he let them recognize his hands? I don't know about you guys, but you know, when I think about that statement, I could recognize my dad without looking at his face. I just needed to see his hands. Have you ever thought about that? I used to, I remember walking around when I was seven years old looking for my dad's hands. They recognized those hands. In verse 32, They said to one another, Were not our hearts burning within us while he was speaking to us on the road and while he was explaining the Scriptures to us? Jesus allowed the disciples to recognize his hands. and Jesus allowed his disciples to recognize his words before he allowed them to recognize his face. And there's something here for us because what he wants us to do in the era of the Spirit when he's not physically present, he wants us to recognize him in the Lord's Supper and he wants us to recognize him in his word. How do you recognize the Spirit? How do you recognize Jesus at work today? You recognize him when you see people doing what we did this morning, eating that bread and drinking that wine together as a church family. Where's Jesus at work? Right then. Where's Jesus at work when the Word of God is at work in your heart, uh, burning in your heart, <laughs> convicting you, leading you, guiding you? Not just always feeling convicted of sin, but leading you and guiding you and moving you in the right ways, the will of God. So we are to recognize Jesus in His Word preached, and we're to recognize Jesus in His Word made visible. Let me just start with in His Word preached. So in Luke 24, he's explaining the scriptures to the disciples. And they said, were not our hearts on fire? <laughs> Has the word of God ever kind of lit you up? They didn't physically recognize him. They just understood that Jesus, as he was talking to them, their hearts were being opened and they were understanding more and more about the Bible and about who the Messiah is. Now, 
Have you ever, I, I hope maybe some of you guys, this will help you parents out. But you know, um, I, don't, I don't have it with me. I think I gave Pastor Mark my, my questions. But you know, we had these catechism, I had catechism questions on a sheet of paper. And um, you learn these catechism questions and you get this, here's a catechism question. Here's the answer. Here's a catechism question. Here's an answer. Here's a catechism question. And here's an answer. And they're just sort of like stars out in the sky. Right? There's a star. There's a star. And then as time goes by, as you grow a little older, as we keep praying for our kids, all of a sudden the stars become constellations. We start seeing the connections. We start seeing that there's a what, what did some kid say? Little dripper? Instead of a little dipper, he said little dripper and a big dripper. But he saw the little dipper. And he saw the big dipper. He saw the stars. They, they, they're constellations. And that's what happens when we study the questions and the answers and the scriptures. All of a sudden, Jesus opens up the Word of God to us by the power of His Spirit. And we see these things. They go together. Jesus came. Jesus suffered. Jesus died. All of a sudden, they, it all kind of makes sense. And so it's not just a bunch of random things out there. So first of all, we're to recognize Jesus in His Word. And we are not to be uh, lose heart when people are not making all the connections. We need to pray and ask God to help them make the connections. And so then second, we're to recognize Jesus in His visible Word. So remember, He would have gone farther, but they urged Him to stay. And so He sits down, and in Jesus-like fashion... He takes the bread like he did three days earlier and then he blesses the bread and he breaks the bread and he gives them the bread and they recognize those hands and they recognize him in the Lord's Supper. And so what he wants us to, wants us to learn is that we are to recognize Jesus in the bread and the wine. The Spirit of God is at work when we see the bread and the wine served at the table. And you and I are to recognize Jesus' redemptive work. The bread and the wine, I'm, I, I labor on this. I, t- I find myself telling people this all the time. The bread and the wine preach a sermon. The water in baptism, it preaches a sermon. What's it preach? It preaches the cleansing away of sin. What does the bread and the wine preach? It preaches the body of Christ broken. And it preaches the blood of Christ poured out for the forgiveness of our sins and for our salvation. Now, now how, young people, listen to me, how do you know that the bread means Christ's body is broken and how do you know that the wine represents Christ's blood? Because somebody told you. Why do you know that if I had a red sign up here, what would it stand for? Red sign circle? What would it stand for? Stop. What's a green stand for? Go. What's yellow stand for? Why do you know that? If I don't have caution on there and it's yellow, why do you know yellow means caution? Somebody taught you. Somebody taught you. So you have this bread and you have this wine and you immediately go, I know what that says. I know what that preaches. It preaches that Jesus died on the cross for me. Recognize Jesus in the bread and the wine. Second, you and I are to remember Jesus' redemptive work. We're going to recognize it and we're to remember Jesus' redemptive work. Now, the, the author of Hebrews chapter 10 verses 16 and 17, what he does is he pulls out of Jeremiah chapter 31 some statements about the new covenant. This is what he says. 
This is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, says the Lord. I will put my laws upon their heart and on their minds I will write them. So when Jesus cuts the covenant of the new covenant, when he cuts it, he says, I'm going to take bad hearts and make them new. That's number one. The second thing he says is in verse 17. He says, and their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. So the second thing Jesus does when he cuts the covenant on the cross in this redemptive work is he takes bad records and he clears them away. Did you hear that part? He clears the bad records, he erases the bad records, and he gives you his record. So now you will be treated, as to use the little children's catechism, you will be treated as if you never sinned, right? So you have a changed heart and you have a clear record. This is what Jesus' redemptive work does. And so when you take the bread and when you take the wine, you are to remember that's what happens. Bad records are cleansed, are cleared, and bad hearts are given, you're, are taken away and you're given a new heart. Well, third, third, not only do you recognize Jesus in the Lord's Supper and remember but you and I are to, I'm going to use a word we don't use very much. You're to ratify Jesus' work. You are to re-ratify the covenant when you take the Lord's Supper. Well, let's talk, talk about that. What does ratify mean? You use that every day, don't you? I use that all the time. <laughs> Not really. Now, maybe some people do. But the word ratify means to formally agree to something. It means to sit down I don't use ratify, I use make a covenant. But when we make covenants, how do we make covenants today? Some people make covenants like this. They shake hands. If you be, want to be a little bit more formal, you sit down and you buy a house and you have to sign your life away about 50,000 pieces, pieces of paper in front of a, a notary public. Did you just do, you no, know, you didn't have to do that recently, but that's what you do. You'll do that one day. Again, you'll know, you know what that means. But we have those sheep, you know, they have that book. You did that, didn't you, Matt? You take this book and you, okay, sign this one, take this one. I mean, over and over and over. More formal agreement. Well, back in Jesus' day, they didn't have these notebooks full of places to sign. You sat down and you did it at a meal. You struck hands at a meal. You ate together. And in Exodus 24, 8-11 at the Mosaic Covenant, this is what it says. There was a meal eaten. Listen to these words. <clears throat> Exodus 24, 8 through 11. So Moses took the bread and he sprinkled it on the people. And he said, Behold, the blood of the covenant which the Lord has made with you in accordance with all these words. Then Moses went up with Aaron, Nadab, and Abihu, and 70 of the elders of Israel. And they saw the God of Israel. And under his feet there appeared to be a pavement of sapphire as clear as the sky itself. Yet he did not stretch out his hand against the nobles of the sons of Israel, and they saw God, and they ate, and they drank. So here's the old covenant being cut, and they're sitting there with God, and they're eating and they're drinking with Him. So as we turn to the new covenant, the Apostle Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 10, 16, that when we sit down and eat, we're eating a koinonia. We're eating, we're doing fellowship. And that word means to share in. To participate in. Now, this is where it gets mysterious a little bit. How do we participate in Jesus' body and blood? Spiritually. 
I don't know much. I can, I can give you tons of illustrations and sometime we'll have more of those. But, but we are participating when we eat and drink in the body and in the blood of Jesus Christ. And we are re-ratifying our love for him even as he offers himself to us. Think about that. Don't walk away from this time and don't, when you come back to take the Lord's Supper again, hopefully Sunday night in a few weeks, and then again on Sunday morning, when you come back, think about this. Jesus says, this is my body, it's for you. This is my blood, it's for you. My body's true drink, my blood, I mean my, my blood is true drink, my body's true food. That's what Jesus says. Here it is. For who? For you. And when you take it and do this, you're saying, I love you too. He's saying, here I am, I'm giving you all that I am. And we participate by taking him in. And the emphasis, as I, I, read, a, I read a wonderful sermon this week, the emphasis is on the action. The emphasis is on the doing. It's on the taking him in and taking him into your soul so here we are. How are we to recognize Jesus in the new era of the Holy Spirit? Well, we recognize him in the breaking of the bread. <laughs> breaking of the bread. And we remember and we re-ratify our love for him. Well, second, and this is much shorter. They continually devoting themselves to the prayers. The prayers. The Spirit of God is at work and the evidence of it is seen in that they devoted themselves to the prayers, the early church. They will find that they prayed, constantly prayed. This is a good thing. You know, we pray on Sunday morning. We pray on Wednesday and hopefully we'll be praying during the week. In Acts chapter 1, the apostle Peter, he spoke of Judas Iscariot. And you'll, you'll remember how he spoke of his death. And you can go read that if you want to. I won't describe it right now. Kind of gory. <laughs> you know, he, he hung himself. But then they had to replace this disciple. They had to replace this man with another. And they said this when they put two men before the whole congregation. They said, You, Lord, who know the hearts of all men, show which one of these two men you have chosen. There's prayer. The congregation prayed in Acts 2.46. They gathered in the temple courts and they praised and they prayed. In Acts chapter 3 verse 1, Peter and John, they go to the temple and they pray at 3 p.m. And so Jesus is active and Jesus is present among his people when you see his people doing what? Offering up the prayers. In Acts chapter 3, Peter and John, they go to the temple. It's 3 o'clock. And you remember Peter, I, I love this line. I think I memorized it in the King James Version. <laughs> but he sees a crippled man and he says, Silver and gold have I not, but what I have give I unto thee. Rise and walk. And the man rises up and he begins to jump up and down. He's over 40 years old. And so immediately after that, they preach Christ and they're promptly arrested. And then they go home after they're allowed to leave. And they tell all the congregation what has happened. And it says this in Acts. Acts 4.24, And all the congregation raised their voices together, and they prayed. And then it says later on in verse 31, it says that the Spirit of God shook the building. And then they began to speak the Word of God with boldness. 
So here's a summary. The early church instinctively prays about making decisions. They pray when there's a crisis. They pray and the Spirit of God fills them up and they preach and they teach the Word of God with boldness. So the Bible teaches us to pray together. You know, one of the things I had somebody early on when I first came here, I remember somebody that came up to me and says, why don't we pray our Father? I mean, do, do you ever pray our Father when you're alone? You ever thought about that? Well, let me tell you why you ought to. Now, it's okay to pray with the psalmist. The psalmist says, I, me, my, a lot, okay? I use the psalms a lot. I, me, my, I, me, my. But also pray our Father. Why? Why don't we pray our Father? We're praying our to remind ourselves that we're not alone. We're praying with the church, even when I'm by myself, and then especially when we're together. When the minister prays, Brian, this is for you. Don't pray. I pray. <laughs> okay? When, when you men, if you ever pray in front of the congregation, don't say, it's my prayer in Jesus' name. Say, it's our prayer, because we're all praying together. The prayers that are in the church. And so here we are praying, our Father, because we're to pray together. And James 5.16 says to, that we are to confess our sins to one another, and we're to pray for one another. So the emphasis is always on the one another. So as we gather to worship on the Lord's Day, we worship in word, in sacraments, and the prayers. We have the fellowship. So you can see in the early church, chapter 1, verse 14, they all join together constantly. Chapter 1, verse 24, they prayed. Chapter 3, verse 1, Peter and John, they go to the temple. That's a place. They had a time, 3 o'clock. They had a time and a place. <laughs> now, here's the question. Uh, we have Wednesday night prayer meetings. Now, why do we do that? It's not mandated, right? There's no mandate. It doesn't say, okay, now, this is the Lord's Wednesday. It doesn't say that. It says the Lord's Day. We need to be here on the Lord's Day, right? But it doesn't say the Lord's Wednesday. Why do we do it on Wednesday? Well, it's just a good time for the church to do what we see the early church doing, which is getting together at a time and a place. But it's not a mandatory thing. So here's the question for you. If you can't make it on Wednesday, I got it. I understand that. We all understand that, right? I've had Wednesdays where I couldn't make it on Wednesday. But here's what I'd challenge you to do. If you can't do it on Wednesday, find somebody and pray with them during the week. You with me? Call a friend up and say, Hey, Lori, Donna, call Lori up. Say, Hey, Lori. Let's pray for five minutes, you know. Let's, let's pray. Let's do this thing even though we may not do it on the day, this day. Let's figure out a time where we can pray together. Well, a few takeaways and then we'll pray. All church decisions are to be made only after prayer. All church decisions are only to be made after prayer. You know how many, how many months and how many prayers y'all prayed before I came? I should be very happy to be here. I should be very thrilled that this is where I'm supposed to be because y'all prayed a long time. Before we ever have a ruling elder, before we ever make a decision on a deacon, before we ever make decisions on Sunday school teachers even, we should make a time to pray to help ask God to make our decisions. Second, all crises in the church are to be brought before the Lord in prayer. Every, all the crises. You have not because you ask not. Why don't we ask? Third, all the preaching, 
All the teaching in the church is to be brought before the Lord in prayer, asking the Holy Spirit to attend to all our education. So finally, let me end with, with this. Prayer's clinging to God. Think about how strong you are. Aren't you strong? You find out how un, unstrong you are? Have you ever found out how invincible you are? You know, we used to go, I grew up thinking I was invincible, but I found out I'm not invincible. And so you and I, we're weak, we're flimsy, we're like ivy. You ever seen ivy? Ivy's one thing about ivy, it's tenacious. What it does is it grasps hold of things that are stronger than it is. It grasps hold of pieces of wood, it grasps hold of cement blocks and it goes up 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 in the tree that's stronger than itself got these little suckers that reach out and grab hold of stuff and won't let go and that's what our prayers are to be like we're to grab hold of god through jesus christ by the power of the spirit we're to grab hold of him and we're to hold on to him in prayer and see what he does in the life of good shepherd opc let's pray Father, thank you for the opportunity one more time to open up your word and to be uh, before you and to listen to what you have to say to us. Help us in this era of the Holy Spirit to recognize you as we fellowship together around the word preached. Help us to recognize you as we fellowship together around meals, the breaking of the bread and the wine that we drink, and also in these prayers. Father, strengthen us as we leave today. We thank you for this time to be together. What a joy it is to be with your people. Uh, Lord, strengthen us through this week and bring us back. Help us prepare even now for next Lord's Day. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.